been in this series talking about the fact that uh, sharing is better together, and uh, we've gone through a lot of important stuff. We've talked about the fact that we can't get all mixed up in our preferences and creating division, that, that we've got to exemplify grace. We've got to stand together on the truth of God's Word. We have to make space in our lives for onlookers, for people just to come and, and, and just look and see if the Lord is good. Uh, we've got to, in that process, we've got to be spirit-led. We've got to let God lead us and guide us in our decision-making. And last week, we, got, we talked about the fact that we've got to do some good around here. It's not enough that we kind of show up and that we believe, but we've got to really earn the right in a lot of ways to, to have a voice in culture. And, and given all that, there's still one more thing we've got to talk about. We've got to have a conversation about this this morning, because this is crucial. We've got to talk about the importance of hospitality. Hospitality is a gift. I know some of you are great at it. Some of you can't imagine and you judge people like me who don't always get it, right? It's like, you know, well, why wouldn't you just slow down and take time for, for whatever's going on and just kind of be there and invite people in? Because I got stuff to do. And in my mind, I'm in control of the universe. I'm the fourth member of the Trinity, right? We got to keep moving, moving, moving. And God, being the good father he is, says, Pettis, sit down before you hurt yourself. And he reminds me that he is in control. And what, what is most often needed in our world today is just a little bit of hospitality. And we, we have to discipline ourselves. Some of us have to discipline ourselves to do it because it's more than just a gift. It's a command. God has commanded us to be hospitable. And hospitality is nothing more than opening up your lives and letting people see the real stuff that's going on in you and to see your God in the middle of all of it. So many times we think of hospitality is when we can, we can you know, get our house looking like the cover of a magazine and we can get our Facebook posts looking like you know, something you know, significant and amazing that, that other people will say, ooh, ah. It's not hospitality. Hospitality is when they see the dishes scattered throughout the house. It's, it's when they see your, your unprotected moment and your vulnerability and they see yet still a smile because your God is with you and your God is good. It's inviting folks in to be a part of what God is doing. And, and, and we want to be a hospitable people. And that's why we're doing Not So Silent Night next Sunday night. Someone asked me, what's the biblical purpose for Not So Silent Night? Hospitality. We want to invite our friends and family in our city to come and to celebrate with us something significant. We believe that God became flesh and dwelt among us. We're going to sing about it. We're going to have great food to celebrate. There's going to be tons of games. Some of you, how many of you were here last year? So a lot of you. Some of you weren't here. So let me show you how good it is, all right? Let's watch this together. There's a little highlight of last year's event, all right? our community. We love Bowling Green, Kentucky. We love to have fun. And so what we're doing tonight and what we're doing in this season is just kicking off Christmas and letting people know that, that God loves us. He's not forgotten us. And we're going to have a lot of fun celebrating his birth. This night is one of those that is so magical because it's so big and there's so many fun things to do that I know we will remember it for every single year. We'll always think back to the times that we came to the Not So Silent Christmas Night. 
this is the kind of thing you can just bring friends to. This is the thing that you can come and just say, you know what? We're just going to hang out. We're going to we're going to have some fun. We're going to we're going to just enjoy time together and celebrate this season. going to have some fun. But we need a few more volunteers. It takes a couple of hundred folks to do that. We need just a handful more. And so here's what I need you to do. If you haven't signed up yet, go out to Guest Connect after the service and sign up to take a spot about an hour. Uh, Or you can do it online, go to our website. But what we want to do is what we try to do every single Sunday is make this place uh, one of the most loving places on the planet. We want to invite folks in to experience our family. We're going to have great food. We're going to have great music. We're going to have great games. The kids are going to have a ball. But what we want to do is we want to make folks feel as comfortable as they possibly can. We want to have conversations with them. We've got, we're, going to have, uh, we're going to have s'mores and we're going to have bonfires. We're going to have all kinds of stuff going on. All of that so that we can connect with other people and have conversations about life and where they are and, and the fact that we love them, that God loves them. We want them to, to feel free to come and be a part of what God is doing in our midst, to come to his house. Uh, what we have done at our home, at the Pettis household, is we made some significant investments so that over the last 16 years, our children would know they can always invite their friends to come to our home. And, and over the years, we've, we've entrusted them with the responsibility of making friends, but then also we've told them, we want you to bring them here. We want them to come to our house so they can get to know us, so we can get to know them, so we can share some of our life. Listen, we have a father in, who, in heaven, and this is his house. And there's been great expense that has gone into this. The blood of Jesus is far more expensive than all the brick and mortar. But there's a lot of expense that has gone into this place. And our Father is saying, bring your friends. Bring your family. Bring the brokenhearted. Bring those who need grace. And allow them to come and be hospitable to them. Let them sense and see the the goodness of the Spirit of God. And, And that's hospitality. And our text shows us how we are to do that. So if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4. And we're going to be in verses 8 and 11. Macy's going to read for us, so let's all stand together as she comes up for us to read 1 Peter chapter 4. Again, we're in verse 8 through 11. Macy, if you would read that for us. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as each is good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Macy. If you guys would, grab, grab a seat. 
You know, our world is broken. We know this. We talk about it often. Uh, there is a desperate need for there to be some kind of answer to the insanity. And our task is to bring to bear the reality of the goodness of God so that others can sense something of the significance of a Savior. Listen, we all know there's need. We don't always know the answer because the reality is no human institution can fix what is broken within the soul of humanity. Only the maker can do it. And the maker has come. God has come. And that's what we're going to celebrate in this next season. And he's calling us now who believe to join him in helping others know him. We are to live hopeful and we are to be helpful. And hospitality is a big way we make that happen. Write this down and remember this. Hospitality is to be a hallmark of a church family. It's a hallmark. Think about a hallmark card for just a moment. If you were going to send a, a card uh, that explains our church, what picture would you put on the cover? Would it be architecture? Would it be words? Mine would be people. It would be all of us. As crazy and as glorious as God has made us. It would be to show that the church really is people. It's a family. It's a people called together to experience the glory of the Father and the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a broken world that is in desperate need of this glorious God. And, and in order for them to feel comfortable, in order for them to have any sense that they would be accepted, we've got to show hospitality. You know, you think about the early church. What were they most known for? Hospitality. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42 all through 47. This is both prescriptive and descriptive. Look at what it says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All and all who believed were together, and all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. That's how it works. God loves us. We love each other. We love each other and we allow other people to come and participate in our life. What is our life to consist of? Gathering for worship. Getting in groups, being in one another's homes, inviting people to see the Savior, and allowing us to serve each other, serve our world. And there will be an awe. I can remember that awe. I can remember seeing what, what serious Christianity looked like for the first time, and I wanted in. I'd been a part of the other stuff. I wanted into the good stuff. I wanted into a family. I wanted to be a part of a people that was going somewhere, that had a future and an opportunity. And, and we are, as a family of faith, it's our responsibility to, to fulfill this description, to follow this prescription, and, and to be able to fulfill and do what it is God has called us to do. So what does that mean, though? What does that look like for your life and my life? Five things. It, it, we call this the disciples' pathway, and I'm concerned about that because I'm afraid some of us are thinking it's linear. It's not linear. It happens all at the same time. You gotta worship. You gotta connect with other believers. You gotta serve. You gotta be equipped in, in the word and in truth. You gotta learn how to, to, to dig deep and be able to defend your faith and, and, and be able to use your gifts, all the while multiplying, leading more people to anchor their life in hope in Jesus. This is what we are called to do. This is the hallmark, but it all hinges on hospitality. 
because they don't care until they know we care. And we've got to show, we've got to share it. It's all about living hopeful and being helpful and hospitality is the way it comes out. Write it down and remember, our individual responsibility is to invest and invite. I call it an I squared lifestyle. Invest and invite. And all that means is doing what Jesus did. He invested in us and then he invited us to be a part of his life. You say, how did he invest in us? Well, he fulfilled the prophecy that the prophet Isaiah made about him. Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14 says this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This was the promise of God that there would be a virgin who would give birth to a son. This son was promised by God in Genesis chapter three, verse 16. This promise was promised by God to Abram in Genesis chapter 12. This son was promised to David in in 2 Samuel chapter 7. This child was again promised by Isaiah the prophet and all the prophets that there would be one who would come who was God in flesh who would save the world. Jesus Christ came. He has invested himself. He is our Emmanuel. What does that mean? Emmanuel, God with us. It means that God entered our world to invite us into his. That's hospitality. That is entering into other people's worlds and allowing them to come into ours. God entered into our world so that we could become a part of his. Where you live, where you work, where you go to school, where you hang out, that's where you are to go. That's where God has sent you to live on mission. You are to go and invest in relationships there and then invite them to your father's house. Invite them to know your savior. Invite them to feel the sense of the spirit as you love and as you show compassion and care and kindness and do good. As we live out our our individual responsibilities, there's a health that will begin to happen inside of our church family. God is calling us to be a healthy church family and it all hinges again on hospitality. So what does it look like? Our text tells us four things I want you to take note of. The first one is this. A healthy church family is where love abounds. Look what it says in verse eight. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Listen, there's no such thing as a perfect church and, and if you come from a perfect church, don't come here because we'll mess you up. We, we are not perfect. We sin. We, we, we don't do, always do right. But here's good news. The love of God overcomes our sin. And just as God has forgiven us, we forgive one another. And as we love one another, we create this glorious family. And we are called to give that love, to share that love. But here's the thing, friends. You can't give what you don't have. And some of you, you don't have it. Some of you have institutional Christianity. Good for you. It's not love. Some of you have knowledge about facts, about the things of God. Good for you. But that's not not what changes lives. No, no. What changes lives, what changes the soul of a human being is love. And there's going to come a day when every single one of us will be judged. And if our hearts have not been filled with the love of God we will be rejected from the eternal home of God. Romans chapter 14, verse 10 says this plainly, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And in that judgment, 
He will not look at the, at the things that we made apparent to other people. He will not look at, at our facade. He will look into our heart. And if our heart is not filled with the love of God by grace through faith in Christ alone, we have no hope. See, that, that, the, the good news is this. God's design was love. God's design was harmony. But sin has destroyed it. It's broken our hearts. It's broken homes. It's broken our culture. But God, Emmanuel, he has now come to be among us, with us. And if we will receive his love, his life in us, we can pursue and recover God's design. And that design is all about love. It's being loved by God so we can love ourselves and we can love one another and we can love the world. That is God's calling on our lives and that happens through the vehicle of hospitality. Secondly, a healthy church family is where service abounds. It's not just a feeling, it's, it's, it's deeds, it's action. Verse 10 says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as, God, as good stewards of God's various grace. We use the gifts that God's given to us. Now understand, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, things that go beyond the physical. Let me illustrate, me. Believe it or not, when I was a little boy, I couldn't look anybody in the eye and talk to them. As a matter of fact, I hated people looking at me. I didn't like to, I didn't like to get up and talk in front of people. Now you can't shut me up. I loved football because I could put a helmet on and I could hit people and I could throw things and I could do stuff, but I didn't feel like anyone was looking at me because I was able to always kind of be undercover. When God saved me, I started talking about Jesus and I haven't quit. That's a spiritual gift. That's a spiritual unction. That's a spiritual work within me. There's also natural abilities. I can think, I can, I can study, I can, I can perceive, I can lead. I can't remember details, so we have to have a lot of other people, right? But that's how it works, is that I use my gifts, you use yours. I use my abilities, you use yours. And all of this is for the glory of God. And one day, heads up church, we're gonna each be held accountable for what we did with our gifts and abilities. Listen, here's my desire for you. My desire is that you fulfill your destiny. And I'm going to push and I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna preach as hard as I can to help every member of this church see to it that your judgment day is your Christmas day. Have you ever thought about that? Christmas day being like judgment day? It's supposed to be, at least for those of us who believe. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Not just those who are gonna be judged, all appear so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So there are rewards in heaven. And so death needs to be your Christmas day. It needs to be the day when you walk into marvelous light, when you come into the presence of the Father and you hear that daddy of yours say, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm so stinking proud of you. Look who's here because of you. Look how the world was changed because of you. And you will receive a great reward. Don't be that kid who shows up on Christmas knowing that he doesn't deserve something. Be that kid on Christmas who says, I, I know I don't deserve it, but by the grace of God, I've been given some good things to do, and to the best of my ability, I did them. Listen, regret stinks. Don't live with it. You get to choose. 
Live a life of service that comes and is motivated by a love. And, and, and in the midst of that, you're gonna be guided by a truth. Write it down. A healthy church family is where truth abounds. Not lies, not deceit, not destruction, truth. Look what it says in, in verse 11. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. That's our truth. Our truth is not something we make up. Our truth is not the latest fad. It's not the cultural mandate. It's not the morality of, of those who vote the most. That's, that's not what it is. Our truth is the timeless, inerrant, infallible word of God. And, and that, that gives us our meaning, gives us our directive, our direction. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. He does that with his spirit, the same spirit who wrote the word of God. Remember what the word of God is. The Bible is not a collection of stories. It's not a collection of sayings. It's a single story that explains reality. You want to understand what's going on in the world? Here's the deal. God made all things to be in harmony. We blew it because we sinned and we've created all this pain and suffering. Good news, God has come to rescue us. He will save us out of the deep darkness of drowning in the brokenness that is our world. And all who believe will be saved and good news, he's gonna restore all things. Go read Revelation 21 and get your chin up and get in a good mood because God's coming back. And this is what we get to be a part of. So this is how we see the world. We see the world as this place. It's not what it's supposed to be. But thank God, it's not as bad as it could be because Emmanuel, God with us, has come. And now this is what we celebrate. This is how we see everything. This is why we serve. This is why we love. This is why we give. This is our delight. Our God is the, the Almighty. What we sang, he's everlasting to everlasting. He is at work in the world and we get to be a part of it. And what he has said us and he has told us to do. He said, look, go make friends. Go and invest your life in other people and invite them to my home. Invite them to my life. Invite them to be a part of what they are longing for, what will, what will meet the, the desire of their eternal soul. It's based on truth, it comes through service, it's motivated by love, and it's all for God's glory. Write it down. A healthy church family is where God's glory abounds. Look at the last part of verse 11. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Why does God get the glory? It's his salvation. It's his life. It's his story. It's his plan. It's his love. What is he calling us to do? To be disciples. To be a family of disciples that make disciples. So friends, how should you be thinking about this? Let me tell you. Do not, do not think in terms of, of inviting people to a place. Think about inviting people to a relationship with a living God. Don't, don't, think, don't think in terms of, 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 of bringing them to a show. Sometimes I get so worried. It's like, oh, I, I, like, I like the music. I like the, I like the new music guy. He's a handsome man. Pastor's ugly, but you know. He's a Vandy fan. We can tolerate him. And it's not about that. It's, it's about a reality, a life-changing reality. It's not about a show. It, it, it's, it's about 
an existence. It's about a life. It's about Jesus. Don't invite them to a program. Invite them to a friendship. Back in the uh, early fall, um, a young lady came to our church and she was invited by a friend who had been telling her about what God had done in her life, about Christ, um, and how we do church. Yeah, we, we, we have worship gatherings. There's multiple ones. There are different places. Um, we, we get together also later in, in, what, in somebody's house called a small group. And I just want you to come and I want you to, to think about what I've been saying and, and let, let, let your heart be open to what the guy who's gonna be preaching, whoever it is, what they're saying about what I've been saying and see how they connect and see how it makes sense. So the, the young lady said, okay, I'll come. The friend said, listen, I've got a friend coming. Let's be on the lookout. So young lady Parks in our parking area. There are greeters there. Greeter, invite her in. She says, I think I'm supposed to be over here. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, come on, come on. Got there. Someone was looking for her. A friend couldn't be there because she was serving in another part of the church. And so another friend met her and said, come on, let's go. You know, before service ever started, she had something to do Sunday night. She was already going to be going to a new small group. And they had lunch plans before she ever heard the first song sang. Hospitality had already begun to do its work. So she came, she met people, and she saw a consistency between that person's life and her love and what was taught and, and, and what, what folks were trying to accomplish. And then there was space, there was time, there was no pressure. She gave her life to Christ, and within a month, she was baptized. She's now a member of our family. How did that happen? It started with hospitality. It started with someone saying, I want to invest in you. I want to be your friend. And, and I want to share my life and what God's doing. I want you to come to my dad's house. It's a big house. I want you to come to my dad's house. There's always something going on. I want you to be a part of, of the, this family. And, and, and whether or not you become a part of it, ultimately, we want you to know we love you and you're welcomed here. You can bring your doubts. You can bring your hurts. You can bring your questions. We're not afraid of any of that stuff. Come on in. And then... In those relationships, in that space that became sacred, she became a disciple of Jesus. Now guess what she's doing? She's got friends who are coming. She's having conversations at her workplace. And that's what it means to be a family of disciples that makes disciples. Now look, if you don't have the love of Jesus in your heart, you don't have it and you don't have hope. And what I would, I would beg you to do is to come get on your knees and say, Jesus, Fill me with your love. Forgive me of my sin. Take over my life. Some of you, you're like me. You barely, you barely slow down enough to pay attention to what's going on in your life, much less everyone else's. Stop. And think about it. Who do you know in your life that needs Jesus? If you can, write their name down. Who are you praying for daily? Some would say fanatically for God to change their life. How are you helping us be a hospitable church? Do you have a place of service here, a responsibility where we're looking for you every Sunday to step up? 
What about where you live and work and play? Are people counting on you? Can they rely on you? Are you trustworthy? Are you honorable? Are you respected? You don't have to be a genius to do that. You just have to be faithful to God. Are you a person who's building a bridge from someone's current darkness into God's marvelous light? Maybe you need to pray about that. Maybe you need to pray for someone as we come into this Christmas season that they would find the hope that we have. Let's stand together as we pray.